0: Good evening and welcome. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. It's my pleasure to be with you here this evening in the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco and to welcome you to our Points of View program this evening, Wednesday, April second, 2014. The San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education is directed by Charles Chip McNeil, The adult programming is coordinated by Cecilia Beam. Pardon me. We produce lots of very interesting programming, both for adults. These points of view programs, the meet the artist interviews, um, the talks on ballet, the Uh, which uh, series will be held this coming weekend, and I understand there are still some spaces left. And then, of course, our children's programming, the community matinees here in the Opera House, as well as our renowned dance in schools and communities. You can find out all about these things and much, much more on our website, sfballet.org. And, of course, I encourage you to go frequently to the website as you know these programs are recorded and you can find them there on the website after they've been posted which um, they're being posted pretty regularly this season go to the sfballet.org look for interact click down to listen and then click on the program that you want to hear so besides welcoming you here in the opera house welcome to those folks who may be Listening via a podcast on the internet. So, this evening, we are looking forward to the San Francisco Ballet, San Francisco premiere of Alexei Retmansky's Shostakovich trilogy. We here in San Francisco are familiar with Alexei's work through, and I know most of you will remember, Carnival Carnival des Animaux, the Carnival of the Animals, which he created on our company in 2003, which, if um, my notes are correct, was the first commission by an American company of one of Alexei's pieces which um, brought him to the United States and brought him to San Francisco. And then we saw Russian Seasons a few years ago, and then a couple of years ago he created From Foreign Lands, which you saw earlier this season. Ratmansky himself is considered one of the preeminent creating dance makers today. He trained at the Bolshoi Ballet in Russia, and then performed with the Ukrainian National Ballet, came west to the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, and then back to the Royal Danish Ballet. He actually returned to the Bolshoi as its director in 2004, directed that company for about five years, and returned to the United States, and is now, um, I understand it's a created title, the Artist-in-Residence at American Ballet Theater. In the fall of 2013, he received the um, one of the MacArthur Foundation grants known as the Genius Grants, and for good reason. Um, the grant is awarded to someone who can show exceptional merit and promise for continued and enhanced creative work. And I wanted to just read a line or two from the actual citation for the MacArthur Award. <coughs> Alexei Rutmansky is a choreographer who is revitalizing classical ballet in dynamic, energetic interpretations of traditional works and his own original pieces. And then onward, uh, he is steeped in the tradition of classical ballet, but also inflects the canonical steps of Russia and the West with a technical idiom all his own, one that pushes dancers in new directions through a supple use of the upper body and daring athletic partnering for both men and women. Looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, and then finally, as Ratmansky re-envisions the classical repertoire and creates his own striking contemporary works, he's moving the field of ballet in new directions while honoring the accomplishments of the past. <clears throat> so, i am you've been very patient. I'm delighted to be in conversation this evening with ballet master Nancy Rafa. Nancy is the person really um, best positioned to be talking about this piece having been present at Alexi's side when the work was created, and she has staged it and rehearsed it here. Um, Nancy received her early training in New York in 1980, was the youngest and first female to win the gold medal at the Prix de Lausanne. Congratulations for that. she came back to New York and joined Makarova, the Russian ballerina. Natalia Makarova had a company called Makarova and Company, and then the American Ballet Theater. She went on to dance as a principal with the Ballet de Santiago, Ballet National Francaise de Nancy, and then the Miami City Ballet. And it was there that she retired and started her teaching career. And um, There's a note that you have a degree in psychology, and I'm wondering if that's going to, that may come up in our discussion of. It's been very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Not only Alexi's work, but working with dancers, period. In any case, Nancy joined the ABT staff as a ballet mistress in 2007. So... Again, thank you for being so patient through welcome. all of that. But thank you for being with us, and welcome. It's, it's going to been be a pleasure. It's a very
1: um, special and beautiful time here in San Francisco with the company. Um, coming here, I knew that Alexi had a special bond with Helgi and with the dancers because it was the first American company mm-hmm. that he choreographed on. So I took that responsibility to be here to do this trilogy, which is very close to Alexi's heart, for many, many Mm -hmm. reasons that we'll discuss later. Um, And it's been an amazing experience. The dancers responded in a way that any ballet master couldn't have asked for more. Uh They were committed, um, focused. They were like sponges taking all the information and such a a vast amount of talent throughout the ranks of the company. So it was really exciting and a, a really interesting process to put this work on them, mm-hmm. um, especially after seeing it created on the dancers mm-hmm. at Ballet mm-hmm. Theatre that I know very right, well, right.
0: so. Well, we'll, um, if, we'll circle back to actually that um, in, the, in the studio experience that you had. In fact, as a teaser, we do have some video of the dancers in rehearsal, our dancers in rehearsal, which could be fun, but let's, um, Really, where where should we start? Let's start with Alexei's um, relationship with Shostakovich, which really does seem to be. I have read that he has created at least eleven ballets.
1: Yes, Alexei explained to me that from a very young age, as a young boy, um, he would plug into Shostakovich's music um, because it just it it resonated with mm-hmm. him. There was something about how Shostakovich composed, how emotional the music was, how um, beautiful and moving it was, and uh, a a beautiful venue to work with dance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it it inspired him from a young age in the school. He said Mm -hmm. in school he was already listening to many of the compositions. Mm -hmm. And I think the younger generation of Russian artists, dancers in particular, but musicians and artists also, other artists, um, have Shostakovich as a a mentor and an idol because of what he represented and because he grew up in a time and became the artist that he did um, during the Stalin regime, Mm. during a very repressed moment, yet he stayed very true to who he was, what he believed and what he wanted to express as an artist and I think that gave a role model to the younger generation of, of Russian artists and Alexei is amongst that that population.
0: And I know that in this work Alexei has actually um, some of the notes and I know I always ask our audience to be good and read the program notes. They were well written and they're very informative. Um, it's a bit of a joke, but um, because lots of people just say, what was that about? And I say, well, did you read the notes? It was right there. Um, what we've learned is that um, Alexei's response to Shostakovich is almost personal in terms of Shostakovich's life and that Shostakovich's music um, is very biographical. The
1: original idea of putting an evening together of Shostakovich's work was to take three pieces that most resonated with Alexei and put them on in the same evening um, in a way as a tribute to Shostakovich, or homage, as I've been corrected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I remember Alexei saying, uh, you know, we're going to do a full evening of his work, and I know it's very ambitious, but I have to do it. It's something that I have to do before I finish my career. And I asked him, I said, do you have an idea of, of what you're going to do, because that's a lot of Shostakovich for one evening, and his music is very intense and very deep and very intricate, very complicated to count. It was crazy to try to learn the musicality and Alexei is an, an extremely musical choreographer. He doesn't like to choreograph the music literally, so we're constantly working with syncopations and mm-hmm. different rhythms that counterbalance what the composer's mm-hmm. actually writing. So I asked him, you know, what, what are you gonna do? He goes, Nancy, all I know is we have three different pieces of music and the music is
0: Shostakovich, and we start rehearsals on Monday, and that's how we began. (laughs) I confess that when I learned that this was going to happen, I thought to myself, wow, a whole evening of Shostakovich. And what I have come to discover is that each piece is remarkably different. Uh, We have, some of us have had the chance to hear Martin West, who's extremely enthusiastic about the music and about this work. Um, talk about the different pieces. Um, we do have some images. I think we might save them a little bit for a little bit later. Um, it's, perhaps It's an
1: amazing collaboration. Yeah. Shostakovich's work is so monumental. Mm-hmm. This evening, is extremely monumental. It is very ambitious to take a full evening with a composer like Shostakovich Mm -hmm. and put that together. And the greatness of his artistry, combined with Alexei's artistry, combined with all the artists that are involved Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. collaboration, and I know for the conductor and the musicians and the pianists that have worked with us, it challenges all of us on a level to try to reach our highest potential in
0: expression and um, creativity. Maybe it's time to discuss a little bit the three different sections. So, um, and these are three completely separate pieces of music. Um, different, at different times yeah. in Shostakovich's And different life. orchestrations. Um, how does this evening start? Symphony number no. nine. Symphony number no. nine is a composition that was commissioned by
1: Stalin for Shostakovich to write uh, after World War II. And uh, as was very common in the communist uh, regime at the time, artists were very much dictated what to do with their work. And in this case, Shostakovich was supposed to write a symphony that um, honored and um, exalted Russia's um, achievement in the war and and their triumph as um, saviors of the war in a way. And he began composing it. And a few months into composing it, he stopped writing, and left the work, um, and then came back to it and finished it. And everyone was expecting a very Mozart-Requiem type of composition where there were many pieces in the orchestra, uh, big triumphant uh, themes that were praising the regime. Uh, They were even expecting voices in a chorus. And Shostakovich actually came up with Symphony Number no. Nine, which is extremely ironic and sarcastic in many in many ways. For a comp- Alexei was explaining to us in rehearsals, for a composer to write the theme da 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 is almost ridiculous. And so, in a way, um, parts of the symphony are ironic like that, and other parts are extremely deep and dramatic, so he's expressing a mocking of Russia, of the regime, of the hypocrisy of the time, and expressing at the same time the deeper, more realistic feelings that people, especially artists in the socialist system, were feeling at the time. Of a feeling, And so there's, uh, Alexi explained to us, Symphony Number 9, there's no particular story to the ballet, but there's a lot of meaning. So each movement became, as he created it, an expression of these different um, meanings and emotions that Shostakovich was giving to how he felt about where he lived and the time that he lived in. First movement is the irony, and the two leads are, kind of representing the authorities and the dance the court of ballet dancers are representing the officials that have to follow those orders and he explained this like just imagine you're at a cocktail party where the next day the authorities are writing the uh, signing the papers for execution so there's a um a bit of sarcasm in the first, uh, even though they're having fun, there's sarcasm in the first movement. Second movement is expressing the fear in a way that Shostakovich with his wife felt living in those times. Third movement is in between those times, like the before danger, and then living through, trying to go through the motions of quotidian life Living in an environment that's not very safe, and then the fourth movement is reality: is you wake up and find your best friend is not living in his apartment anymore, and nobody can find where he is. Shostakovich lost a lot of very dear friends that were also musicians. So the fourth movement is very symbolic for uh, the military loss, um, sadness. fear, all of those qualities. And fifth movement is a collaboration and um, kind of uh, highlighting everything that came previously, bringing everything to a head and um, looking for hope. There's a little section that he used to call At the Sea and you'll see the dancers doing movements that kind of represent waves and that's the, the, the hope that the Russian people felt at that time that perhaps beyond where we live, over there, over the sea, there'll be a hope one day that we can, together, they hold hands and they sway together, we can move forward and find our way as a people. And then with within Symphony Number no. 9, there's a, a one principal male dancer that was originally Erman Cornejo at ABT mm-hmm. and Taris is dancing that role here tonight that represents, um, he said this, the angel. It's the part of ourselves as human beings that hold on to hope even when there's tragedy and difficulty. And he's the uh, representation of, of a better way, of a hopeful way, of a, of, a, of a light at the end of the tunnel in our lives. So he weaves in and out of the ballet and everything is symbolic, everything is abstract. But the, if, it's, if it's done well tonight, which I know the dancers have that capacity in them to really deliver what Alexi's asking for, um, there's a lot of symbolism and a lot of deep meaning behind what's happening physically. And it is physically very
0: challenging. Stamina-wise, the dancers don't stop. This sounds as though... Um... We, I, I'm understanding that it's abstract, but it sounds as though it's really important for us to know a lot of what was going on in Alexi's intention. and um,
1: Hopefully if it's structured properly, mm-hmm. and this is with any dance mm-hmm. um, that you see on stage, if it's structured properly and it's delivered properly, even if you don't read the program book, you should perceive and understand a sense of what's happening.
0: Um, You're mentioning that the role was originally set on Hermann Cornejo at um, ABT, Um, makes me think about this whole concept of Mm co-production. And um, I'm fascinated by that. We've seen um, several works in the last few years done that way, uh, with another company sharing the production. What goes into the, the conception of that? How did Alexi and Helgi get together and say, this is what we want to do together? Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to think about. I think it actually included
1: Kevin McKenzie, mm-hmm. our <laughs> director at ABT, Helgi Thomason right. here, and Alexi. And um, the idea of doing a full-length evening of this magnitude and sharing it amongst two companies that have really excellent talent, really beautiful, diverse talent, and sharing the costs. It's a practical mm-hmm. a practical thing also. I know artistically and creatively, I was in the studio from day one with Alexi when he started the creation at ABT, and I was made aware of the co-production aspect of it Um, in the middle of the process. In the beginning, I didn't know that was actually happening. Once I knew that, then I took very, very um, careful care Mm -hmm. to uh, record, every single detail, every single count, every single step. You could ask my husband hours and hours and hours working with the video, videotaping rehearsals, to really digest myself, the essence of everything that he was doing, so that I could actually be able to translate that to the dancers, because it's really, really important. Usually when a creator is with the dancer, it's it's process where he takes from their energy and they take from his energy. So in a way, coming here, I had to replace Alexi, which is a really huge task. He's a really special artist. He's an amazing mover, um, extremely sensitive, very expressive. So I felt compelled to um, absorb that myself and be able to transfer that to the dancers. And Um, I I believe Alexi, in the moment, was working with the ballet theater dancers, and then when he came to cast the ballet Mm -hmm. here, he casted more towards the ability of the dancers here and how that corresponded with the roles that were already Mm -hmm. created, rather than typecasting. For example, uh, Marcelo Gomez and Paulina Semenova were the lead couple. (laughs) of Symphony mm-hmm. Number 9. She's five foot eight, skinny as a rail. Model face, just an amazingly yeah. beautiful tall woman. Marcello, tall man, so you have these long bodies that stand out of the group just standing mm-hmm. there. So they're lead figures even if they don't move. Um, here at San Francisco, we have the beautiful Sarah Van Patten dancing and Carlos Kennedy. And they're smaller stature, yeah. yeah. but beautiful, emotional, yeah. uh, expressive artists that, with that energy, will stand out. Yeah. Yeah. So physically, they weren't casted similarly, but more for what their ability to mm-hmm. bring mm-hmm. forward in the role something unique, something different, and that's what I've noticed comparing. Now comparing, because you, you really don't want to compare the two companies because each company has their own qualities and different style and um, you know beautiful uh, level of artistry. Um, comparing the two, though, if you are to compare them, it, what it's done to the ballets is create
0: almost different ballets. The look of the ballets are very different. Uh, we have some, um, actually, video, and it seems to me it might be good to show this, which uh, some of you have probably seen if you watch television, um, with the American Ballet Theater dancers. And then we can move on to some other images of San Francisco and put the ABT um, aside and replace our, our minds with our— This is a dancer's dancing. nightmare. Oh, no. But just, um, just because <laughs> you can see these pictures of ABT were taken, um, obviously, when the work was created— a year ago. Um, And then there is video, and I'm hoping that I can make that happen. Oh, there we go. This is ABT. Right.
1: Uh It's Barcelo.
0: Sorry for the advertising. <laughs> so, um, so then the next thing we'll see will be the San Francisco Ballet dancers learning the piece, um, and then... You know, there's a funny thing amongst dancers, and I've <clears throat> been traveling quite a
1: lot staging Alexi's work this year. I've had the amazing honor and privilege to represent him at HET National, at Atlanta Ballet, as mm-hmm. well as ABT this year, and there's such a, a mutual respect one dancer to another, mm-hmm. and I and the dancers here. Um, when I first started teaching, they was like, oh, "We're never going to be able to do it like Marcelo, or you know, how are we going to look like Natasha?" And I was like, "You don't have to find your own way, yeah. but there, there's a, a respect and an admiration that makes them also yeah. work their hardest and." make the most out of what they're able to do. So that was kind of interesting to, to see happen. It, it motivated the dancers here to have had ABT dancers dance this prior. Mm-hmm. It was a, a, a big motivation and, and inspiration. And it, it became such a special process here as it was there mm-hmm. with Alexi creating it for the first time.
0: Let's see what we have here.
1: part was done for Diana Vishneva originally. And what Maria Kuchakova is going to dance was done for Natalia Asipova. This role was created for Simone Mesmer, who now is your dancer. dancing Paulina's part.
0: I think it's kind of fun to actually see in the studio, see the process, see the dancers in their um, headscarfs and leg warmers, and then uh, in a minute we can look at them actually in costume. Pictures taken in the dress rehearsal today. Um, I want to make sure we save some time for questions from our audience, but another few minutes here. We need to hear about the other two two sections, the other two pieces.
1: The Chamber Symphony is a psychological profile of Shostakovich's life. It's probably the closest um, of the three ballets that's telling a story. Again it's a telling a story in an abstract way but the music is what dictated actually the idea for creating the ballet. Uh, Shostakovich was commissioned to go to Germany to write some music for film. He did that very often and while he was away uh, his wife who his second wife that he was married to, the second big love of his life, and mother of his two children died suddenly. And when he heard this, he was so distraught that he sat in a room for three days and wrote Chamber Symphony, the music you'll hear tonight. He wrote, composed in three days. When he brought it back with him to Russia to deal with the death and the loss A very close friend of him heard it and said, "Uh, Dimitri, this is uh, such an amazing, compelling, emotional piece. He said, this piece is the closest to my heart as a composer, and when I pass away, I would love for this piece to be my epitaph. I would love for this music to to be with me. In the ballet, there's three principal women, and they represent the three loves of Shostakovich's life, the youngest love um, that he had, which was first love, puppy love. Um, He was with that woman for six years, never proposed to her. She waited for him to propose. He was too shy as a young boy to actually do that, and he lost her. She went with another man, and he was devastated by that. He had a couple of other not so great relationships until he met the woman that he did actually have a family with, and she was the fortress of his life. He was able to get through all of the challenges that the political situation at the time put him through with this woman who really was the backbone of the whole household. And then he lost her suddenly, and his life was broken. I remember Alexei telling me that... Um, the very first thing that came out of Shostakovich's mouth when he lost his wife was, "Who's going to take the children to school?" She was that much of a foundation for him, so he he was devastated and for, went through a major depression uh, after that loss. And later on, as an as an older man uh, in his 60s, he met another woman, which was his last wife, that was a um, very mature, very grounding relationship and she was the woman that saw him through the last of his days and um, she's still alive and she actually came to ABT's premiere of the Shostakovich evening. It was a great honor to have her in the audience and have her presence there.
0: Oh, I'm sure that was important it for
1: was, the dancers. It, it was important for the dancers the and such an amazing honor for Alexi <laughs> to have her there. Um, And then the last piece was actually Shostakovich's very first composition as a young graduating student. Uh, Piano Concerto number 1 was what he did for his graduation thesis. And it's what put him on the map as one of Russia's most promising young composers. And that ballet is an abstract ballet. It actually is funny how this ballet came about. We were supposed to use Symphony Number 1 and we got in the studio and it wasn't working. Nothing was coming out, the dancers couldn't follow the music, Alexi was stuck, it just was one of those moments, nightmare moments for an artist where nothing was working. So that weekend I went to my mom's nursing home who's a ballet pianist and I was like, mom, help me count this out because we're having so much trouble in the studio. Monday morning came and I was like, Alexi, I figured out the counts. We're gonna be able to like figure this section out. And he goes, no, I scratched it all. Like, We're not using that, different choreography, <laughs> different music, piano concerto number one. And we took that music, he used the choreography. He started with um, symphony number one, put it to piano concerto number one and everything just snowballed. It just went, it just flowed. And that's what we came up with tonight. It's dancing to the music, to the composition. Uh In the second movement, there's a bit of nostalgia, Mm -hmm. Russian nostalgia, um, a bit of the sense of uh, tribute to Alexei's heritage Mm -hmm. and his background and his roots of where he came from and um, camaraderie amongst artists. You have these two couples going through the same motions kind of symbolic of um, many people living in a society, going through the same motions of life and living it in a different way. So um, piano concerto is really an exaltation of Shostakovich's music. It's pure dance. There's a little bit of fun and camaraderie of dancer stuff there, a little bit of humor. Alexi always has some humor in some of his ballets. He has
0: a big sense of humor, so that always falls in there somehow. So That's fun to hear, good to hear, because I think we have really responded with affection and enthusiasm to the works that he's done for us that definitely all have that humor um, another element that I would expect and wonder about is sort of folk motifs. Yes. And will we see some of that? Definitely. There are some folk,
1: actual folk mm-hmm. moves. There's a section in Chamber that's actually, um, uh, the music has a, a Jewish theme, and we call it the Jewish section. And there's definitely folk mm-hmm. movement there uh, steps and, and, mm-hmm. and arm movements that are resembling folk yeah. dance. Uh-huh. Um, and that that's kind of a tribute in that section of the of the composition of Chamber is a tribute to what the Jews suffered during the war. Mm-hmm. Shostakovich was very moved by the Holocaust and everything that happened and and, and that was in, he was in Germany at the time, and that was included into the composition mm-hmm. there's a, a folk, folk sound in the music.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show these images that taken in our dress rehearsal so that San Francisco ballet dancers costumed and ready. And while I'm doing that, if you have questions that you'd like to ask of Nancy about the piece or about Alexei or about uh, Shostakovich, um, this is the time to make your way to the microphone, which is at the foot of the aisle here. Um, so please, somebody, I know there's a lot that you could ask. There's so, this is going to be so rich. I'm so looking There's forward to There's a lot going
1: on them. here tonight.
0: <laughs> um, so here are some images that we have, and I'm looking forward to seeing people make their way to the microphone to ask a question. I don't see a stampede. but
1: um, it's, it, I understand that. It's hard to know yeah. what to ask if you haven't seen it yet. Uh-huh. Probably afterwards you'll have a lot of questions.
0: Right. Um, so what are we looking at? This is... Um, hmm. Symphony number nine. This is
1: Sarah and Carlos, and it is the uh, hug of the fourth movement. Mm. Mm. There's a
0: a section. This is in the coda, the
1: fifth movement of Symphony number nine.
0: And we know that Alexei loves intricate and strong partner work, duo work. So is this. That's part (laughs) of it.
1: Yeah, Poor Carlos is going to have to lift her over the head and spin around slowly with one hand holding her. It's kind of difficult. All the kids, all the dancers, kids, they're kids to me, but all of the dancers have caught a ballet the same, very complicated Mm -hmm. partnering. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not vertical and straight up and down where they can feel the ballerina's weight and know how to shift it and help them easily. Everything is off leg and in motion. Um, so the boys have to be very aware and the two dancers have to be very in tune with um, each other's body language and movement and energy and um, distance and space uh, in order to do Alexi's yeah, yeah. pas de deux work. And it's quick. A lot of the movements, he, there's a lot of uh, the music that's very, very quick mm-hmm. in tempo. So they have to do it and do it quickly. Yeah. This is all Symphony Number 9. This is chamber. This is the angel section. Um, there's a section where uh, there's a part of with Mathilde Frusté. And um, it's representing the wife that he lost and the four men are representing Mm -hmm. angels that took her away Mm -hmm. from him. Mm -hmm. So there's this, he keeps missing her. Um, You know, it's that, Mm -hmm. when you have a loss like that, the last telephone call I should have called, I just missed not calling, not speaking to her. It's, that's this um, section of the ballet.
0: Somebody's ready to ask a question. Thank you. I hope I can answer. <laughs> well, actually with your partnering uh, uh, images up here, how do you teach the
1: partnering when it's just you mm-hmm. and you don't I get come, in there and don't I come with a, a, a Tell the boy answers. push me here, pull me there. This is what it needs to work. Uh, this is what it needs to feel like. Um, I'll, I'll explain it verbally. I'll show what the girl needs to do physically. And then if we really get stuck, we go back to the video and watch what the guy is actually doing. But I like to teach without the video so the dancers don't copy what the other dancers are doing. They find their own way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And there are technical things within our knowledge as ballet masters that we're able to guide them with, with the partnering. Okay, because I, I was, you know, I mean, it's not your body that... Is doing lifting, right? Exactly. And and you've never experienced that? Um, In showing it, I experience what the girl goes through. In having been in the studio when Alexi created it, I learn what the man has to do. And usually the boys have enough experience to understand and and know how that is. And then it's trial and error. They they practice the movement until it has the right look. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Um, let's look at, looks like, um, oh, I was going to ask about the backdrop. The backdrop um, is,
1: we laughed, we used to say, it's a hundred David Hallberg faces, because David Hallberg has a very long accentuated face, but it's actually symbolic of Shostakovich's face. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and this is also from the chamber? Yes, it's uh, the pas de between mm-hmm. David, who's... The character of Shostakovich and the wife that he lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is the partida de of the third woman in his life with Lorena. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's protecting him. This is the demon duet. This is the demon duet where Maria and YY are in competition with each other as ballerina divas. That's what that is, and this is a great
0: photograph. It's I want that photograph. (laughs) Okay, speak Mm -hmm. to people. Um, And it looks like the um, the decor is is just fractured pieces
1: of the universe and some Russian symbolic structures. Uh Aha! You'll see uh, the don't know the chisel and the hammer and I don't know the names of them but there's representation Uh of Russian symbolism and then (coughs) universe. Let's see if if we have
0: another. This is
1: rabbit. This is rabbit. This is a beautiful section in the second movement where the uh, couple that's on the floor walks through the other couple, and Alexi said, it has to be as if you come back to your apartment after um, you left, Mm -hmm. and you see, you're you're checking to see if anybody is there, and then they go down in a sigh because it's empty. Whoever was there is lost, and then they're longing and looking for a way to the future, and they see nothing but death, and then there's a lot of sadness. This is in the in the piano concerto, oh, last okay. ballet. Okay. So again, you know, Alexi is making an abstract ballet but he can't get away from having a sense or a meaning to. Mm-hmm. He uses mm-hmm. meaning and emotion and imagery and,
0: sen- and a sense of being um, underneath everything that he yeah. does. Well, this is since we, I'm looking at our time and I think we have arrived at the time when Lights start blinking. (laughs) Um, And this is probably a good image to just close with. Yeah. That looks, is that the full cast for the. That's Piano Concerto's Mm -hmm. full cast. Mm -hmm. Everybody's upside Mm -hmm. down. Intriguing, fascinating. I think we can't wait. Before I actually say farewell and thank you, I need to give a few choreographic directions of my own. Um, Those of you who are not holding tickets for this evening's performance, we are asking you to go out the way you came in over there on the side and we look forward to seeing you at another performance. Those who are holding tickets for this evening, you can go out this side door and then go down the hallway through a checkpoint and come back into your ticketed space. And with that, I want to remind everyone, go to the website. All of the information that you need will be there and Perhaps you can catch this interview. I know wanna thank Nancy so much for so much of what you've said about Alexei and about Shostakovich. You might want to go back and really listen again and again. So now thank you, Nancy. Hope you it's enjoy been. this evening and thank you for coming this evening. And enjoy this evening's proponents.